This is a Life and Times of Video Games soundbite. I'm Richard Moss. If you've listened to episode 30 of the show, even if you weren't previously aware of his work, you'll know what a brilliant orator Chris Crawford is. The Dragon Speech, that famous moment where he charged out of the games industry by literally charging out of the room, that was arguably his magnum opus perhaps outweighing even his best-selling geopolitics simulation game Balance of Power for its lasting influence and impact on the industry. And it was just one of many great speeches he's given over the years, so I couldn't help but take the opportunity when I interviewed him for my story on the Dragon speech to ask, what makes a great speech? Passion. Easily. I mean... There, there are times when you're giving a lecture about, you know, quantum mechanics or whatever. Well, even then, though, you can make it, you can do a, a great talk on quantum mechanics on just about anything. There are certainly a few universals. The, the single most important universal is human emotion. Uh, and you can talk about quantum mechanics with using human emotion. Much of what I do in my speeches, is to present uh, ideas, I suppose I would say, anthropomorphically. That is, I express them in ways that are, uh, uh, you know, humanly appreciable. For example, when I taught physics, I had a stuffed frog up there now, and Instead of talking about projectile motion, I'd throw the frog across the room and I'd say, see how it flies? Now let's talk about the parabolic motion. By putting things in human terms, uh, they stick much better. Another thing that's very important is to show that you care about the subject. The worst speakers are the ones who obviously don't give a damn. Now they just get up, okay, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, Legendre equations now, and here's how they work. And I mean, if, if the speaker is bored, how can he expect the audience to be interested? So you've got to, you know, act like this is the most important thing in the history of the universe. And uh, you've got to show that energy. One of the one of the rules I follow is you've got to pace around the stage like a caged lion. You know, you, you, you have to show that it is important. And if you do that, then all of the other stuff comes naturally. The voice intonations, the gestures, the body language, and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I actually rather regret I haven't given a, a lecture in years. And I, I'm kind of sad about that because. I'm a good lecturer. <laughs> One of the best but, I've seen, yeah. So it's, uh, and in fact, just yesterday, my wife is a uh, professional tax preparer. And to do this, you have to, uh, in Oregon, you have to be licensed and you have to have ongoing education, something like, uh, geez, 24 hours a year. And because of the pandemic, they're doing it over the internet now. 
And so she was watching this lecture by this guy. And I watched him for about two minutes and then started, that idiot, he's just standing there. He's not doing anything. He's got just a dull background. He's not using the background for anything. And she said, shut up and get out. (laughs) So, uh, and she was right. You know, she, I mean, tax stuff isn't that exciting anyway, but still he could have at least done some voice intonation, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, good speaking. There are a million little details that, that add to it. The way you use your voice the way you move around on the stage. In fact, I did a a great trick with that in the dragon speech where I started at one side of the room and I, I showed a development process an evolutionary process. And then I stopped at the end and said, wait a minute, wasn't it somewhere? And I walked back and said, right about here, that blah, blah, blah. That was a cute stunt on that idea. But, uh, Moving around, mapping ideas to spatial positions is is a good way to help people understand. I wish people would learn. <laughs> it isn't that hard to give at least a decent speech, but an awful lot of the lectures I've seen are ghastly. Uh, the speaker doesn't even put any effort into it. Uh, here's another rule about good speaking that I've always felt. You have to match the audience's investment. So if a hundred people are going to spend one hour listening to me, then that's a hundred hours of people's time. I have an ethical obligation to devote a hundred hours to preparing the speech. I should work just as hard as they work to just walk in and say, well, I'm going to start talking now is an abuse of the audience. So so what went into preparing for the dragon speech? Oh, geez. That was very carefully prepared, uh, very thoroughly. The basic way I prepare a speech is, first, I just go on a lot of long walks and think, what do I want to communicate? And with this one, That wasn't hard. I already had a clear idea of what my message had to be, of the overall message, but how I expressed it, basically what I would do, I I do all my speech preparation by going on walks. And I would just go on a walk and I'd say, uh, today I'm going to talk about this problem. And then I just start talking off the top of my head. And as I talk, some good ideas, some good expressions come out. A lot of bad expressions come out, and I remember the good ones and forget the bad ones, and then I try again and do it over and, you know, use the good ones a little better. I knew the idea of Don Quixote uh, fairly early, and then the, uh, the idea of the dragon actually came to me or had always been with me ever since... Uh, uh, 1981 movie by John Borman called Excalibur. Did you ever see that? I have not. Uh, at one point, uh, they there is a concept called the dragon, but the the impressive thing about it is that the dragon is never 
instantiated. You never see a dragon. Instead, they talk about the dragon as a kind of deep fundamental force that controls the universe. And uh, I very much liked that idea, the metaphor of the dragon. And uh, I knew I had to integrate it in to the speech somehow. So basically, I just did it over and over and over again. I never wrote down anything because the ideas have to live inside your head. You can't be looking at a piece of paper while you're giving a talk. It's got to come out of your head. And so you just had to drill it in. Uh, one other benefit of that is that if you do a lecture a hundred times, you end up with a hundred different lectures, most of them very closely connected. And so you can just give, stand up and start talking, and those ideas are all in there and various ways of expressing them. Now, I was far more organized than that with uh, uh, the dragon speech. But I, I do want to emphasize this was not just something, you know, where I just got lucky and had a, you know, great speech come popping out of my head. This was extremely important to me. I poured a lot of passion into that speech. I prepared it very, very carefully. It was definitely uh, that that was not talent so much as effort. If you'd like to learn more about Chris Crawford and his massive importance to the history of the games industry, be sure to listen to episode 30 of this show. It's called The Dragon Speech, in reference to Chris's brilliant 1993 lecture at the Computer Game Developers Conference. And it's a contender for my favorite episode of the show so far. You can support the Life and Times of Video Games by telling other people about it, by making a donation via paypal.me slash mossrc, or by subscribing to my Patreon, which has pricing tiers starting at a dollar a month and a variety of perks set for each tier from $3 up to 30 You can find out more at patreon.com slash lifeandtimesofvideogames or on my website at lifeandtimes.games slash donate. I'll be back soon with the second Chris Crawford soundbite and with episode 31 of the main show. Until then, I hope you're having a great start to 2021. My name is Richard Moss. And this was a Life and Times, a video game soundbite. Thanks for listening. I'll see ya.